Let me tell you a little something about Anchor. This is, of course, where we're hosting this podcast, and the best thing about it is it is free, so it's not costing our church a dime. They have tools right there on the website that I can upload the sermons, I can record a quick little introduction, and put it out there. Anchor distributes everything for me. They've got it on Spotify, they've got it on Apple, they've got it on Google, they've just sent it everywhere. Uh, We're actually able to have no minimum listenership required for us to have some money put in by doing these advertisements that we can put right into the church. So if you want to make a podcast and you're not sure how to get started, just go to anchor.fm and you can also download their free Anchor app and it'll have everything you need to get started right away. So why are you wasting time? Get after it. If you want to start your podcast, anchor.fm is an easy and quick way to get started. Hello and welcome once again, and thank you for downloading the Moment of Truth Bible Baptist Church podcast, where we are listening to sermons from our pastor, Philip Koontz. Today's pastor is called Holy Water, Promised Land. It was preached here on January 17th of 21. Of course, we do invite you to come and visit us. We we have services every Sunday, 9.30 a.m. You'll find Vacation Bible School. And, of course, we'll start our regular morning worship at 11 a.m. every Sunday at 310 Randolph Road here in Kansas City. And, of course, that is right near Clay Como. It is kind of right on, it's just right on the edge of Clay Como and somewhat near Worlds of Fun. We invite you to come and visit us anytime. Say hello to us. Let us know that uh, you heard about it here on the podcast. But without further ado, here is Pastor Philip Koontz. Good morning. What a blessing it is to be here in church today. You know, I was really shocked. Shocked when I saw a lot of churches aren't together. I just didn't know people did that. Well, as for me, in my house, (laughs) we will serve the Lord. There was a song that was sung at the Promise Keepers back in 1995, and I still sing it to this day. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm going to continue to sing that song as long as I live. And people say, whoa, you don't have to. And I, I still will. <laughs> I believe it's beautiful and I believe it's necessary. We need to continue to come together because we are a family. And once you start getting used to not being together in the house of the Lord, it becomes a habit. Once you do that, it becomes a habit not to follow God. Once you do that, you start to think differently, start to live differently. We don't need to be that way. We need to follow Christ with all our heart and soul. And I'm very proud of every single one of you. For those who can't be here, I'm proud of you too because you're with me. I know you are. And I love you. I'm proud of you. I know you're here. You may not be able to be here. You may be in a whole other state. I know there's a few who come in from Wyoming. I'm sorry that you're in Wyoming. But either way, <laughs> I'm just joking about that. Wyoming's not so bad. I understand. No, I'm just kidding about that. In reality, you may be from a different state. I know there are a few of you who are. You all tell me about it. I'm proud of you. coming in and watching that's great I'm proud of you because you love Jesus Christ by the way there are many churches who are still together that's great I'm proud of every church that comes together still it's just a shame that some churches don't and that it's hard it's very hard we got to pray for them keep praying keep praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ if you're with me today turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 44 verse 3 Isaiah is a tremendous book. 
Isaiah 44, verse 3. If you could please stand to honor the reading of God's word. It says this in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3. For I will pour out, excuse me, for I will pour water. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. God bless and honor the reading of his word. You may be seated. God was speaking to Isaiah, speaking to him about what was going to happen to the descendants, speaking about the dry grounds and the roots and speaking about my spirit and your descendants and pouring out the water, pouring out my spirit upon you. There's many things to be said about that holy spirit in a holy ground in that promised land. There was a promised land given unto the people, the children. This is more than what a lot of people see. A lot of people talk about the promised land, and we're going to talk about the promised land today. People hear about the promised land. They think only of Israel in Jerusalem, and it's a wonderful place. But people speak of this, and a lot of times they speak of holy water, and there's a lot of things we can say about that, and we'll talk about that today too. Let me just tell you, on January the 14th, 2001, an interesting thing happened. I got to go to a place called Israel. I got to go to a place. Uh, I got to land over there, and that was this week, 2014, or excuse me, 2001, January 14th. I was very blessed to go there. Just a few of us did. Uh, one of the people who was going to come today, who was with us, she wasn't able to because her, her uh, weather in her area, the, unfortunately, her road wasn't taken care of, but she spoke to me a lot this week about it, and so I'm sorry she wasn't able to be here. A few of the other people that were with us are in heaven right now. But today I'm very glad that a couple of the people that were with me on that trip, my mother being one of them, she's with us today. Also, Sister Barbara Beggs. I'm mentioning you because you was with us. In fact, that's the trip in which I got to know this lady very well. I'm still praying about that. <laughs> no, she's a tremendous woman of God, and I love her very much. She has a heart like you wouldn't believe, a tremendous heart. She's a lot of fun. I love her very, very much. A dear friend of mine, a dear sister in Christ. And I'm embarrassing right now, I could tell, but that's okay. I'm going to do that a little more. I love you very much. The fact of the matter is, uh, I uh, had a tremendous time on that trip. I didn't know if I was going to get to go or not. My father helped me with that. I got to go. Few of us got to go. It was a trip of our lifetime 20 years ago, 20 years ago at this very time, to the promised land. And I got to see so many wonderful things. I got to see where Christ died. I got to see where Christ arose. I got to see where he walked. I got to walk where Jesus walked today, as the song says. I got to be on the Sea of Galilee. I got to be along the places where many miracles happen. I got some people have even tried to question, oh, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. I know, I know, I know. I got to be the place where he fed the 5,000. I got to be at the places. I got to see. I got to hold different dirts in my hand. I got to be at the place looking to where the Armageddon is going to happen. I got to be at those places. This doesn't make me more special than others, but I will tell you this. It makes the things come to life. Even to this day, when I pick up the Word of God and I read that Word of God, I can feel it. I can see it. I know it. I can almost smell it. I can almost taste it. No, 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 I wasn't eating dirt. But I'm here to tell you that I ate food that was there, and you can feel it. When people say, you don't know that it's real. Yes, I do know that it's real. Not just because I was on that land, but it's like going to Gettysburg. Whenever you're there, you can almost feel it.
feel the battleground. Well, let me just tell you something, brothers and sisters of Christ. When you are on the Holy Land, you can feel the battleground between the spiritual wars that are going on. You can feel it. And when there are stupid people, and yes, there are stupid people in this world who say, we don't know any of that's real. Yes, we do. And when you're there, you know that you know that you know that you know. And if you don't know in your heart already, well, let me just tell you, you go walk on the actual physical ground and you know. And the people that say, I don't know that, you don't want to know that. You just don't want to know. But it's real. It's real. Christ is real. He was real. He is real. It will always be real. And if you don't know that, you know nothing. And I'm getting started before I was trying to. But let me just tell you, it irks me. It irks me to see that Satan blinds people. I've had discussions this week with people. Discussions with people who say they know the Lord and yet they question the reality of the word. And I've been where the word was written. I've seen it. I know it. Boy, people, you drive me crazy sometimes. How can you actually be there and still question? How can you see it and still question? How can you feel it and still question? You know, people constantly question the reality of Christ. The reality. But yet it's real. It really happened. If you go to the land, you can see it. I'm not telling you to get on a plane and go there. I'm not telling you that. I'm saying others have. Do you question history? Oh, probably not. But that also has something to do with your soul. And yet, this is history and it really happened and it's there. When we went there, when we went there, we got to see lots of things. I'm not going to talk to you about all the things I saw. But let me just tell you what the title of the sermon is and you might be able to understand what we're going to talk about. The name of the sermon today is Holy Water Promised Land. Holy Water Promised Land. And so we're going to speak about four bodies of water. Four bodies of water that leads us to the thought and the talk of Promised Land. Now, the Promised Land was the land that was promised unto Abraham. Abraham and his son Isaac and then Jacob. Jacob was also known as Israel. This is after he wrestled with the Lord, quite literally. We'll talk about that another time, but Jacob then had 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel after he wrestled with the Lord. Once he was known as Israel, and that was, became his new name, Israel had his 12 sons. Through his 12 sons, and we won't go into all the logistics of the situation, but through 12 sons, he uh, had the 12 tribes of Israel. And uh, through Joseph, Joseph then went and lived in Egypt. And we know of this. How do we know this from the book of Egypt? I'm joking, that wasn't there. But then we did see in the book of Exodus, in the book of Exodus, we got to see what had happened. We saw that the 12 tribes were now living in Egypt, and we saw that they were enslaved. About 400 years they lived there. They were slaves for about 400 years. We saw all that, we know about that. So as they had lived there as slaves, we saw everything that had happened. And when they left, because God freed them, we know about all that. We've heard of it. You've seen the movie Ten Commandments. It's not all 100% factual, but boy, it's an enjoyable film. I love Charlton Heston. I do. He, like I said, it's not 100% factual, but boy, nobody can talk like Charlton Heston. You notice that? He goes to talk. He goes to move. And every time he moves, he can't talk without that chest. Have you noticed? He goes to talk and he... It doesn't matter if he's talking for the Lord or talking to apes. It's just how he talks. And the Lord said, but either way, that's how he does it. Whenever he, uh, whenever Moses 
was used of the Lord God. It wasn't Moses that did the work. It was God through the faith of Moses. But when this happened, they went to a sea. This is the first body of water we're going to talk about. By the way, this sea, the Red Sea, is not in the Promised Land. The Red Sea is in Egypt. Where in Egypt? Well, it is, you can find this in Exodus chapter 13, by the way. This Red Sea is in Suez, Egypt. And it is in Egypt. By the way, I never got to go there. I never got to go to Egypt. My father did. My mother did, in fact. A couple other people I know got to go. Some of them are in heaven now. But these people got to go there. I didn't. I'm okay with that. But that being said, uh, while they were walking like Egyptians, the Lord God decided to free them from there, and he decided to get them out of Egypt. But they couldn't because there was the Red Sea. So what did the Lord God do? Well, you all know. You've seen the films. You've seen the cartoons. You've seen everything. What did he do? He opened up the Red Sea. But the Red Sea was keeping his children, his children, away from getting to the land of freedom that he promised them. He promised it for generations. But the Red Sea was keeping them away from this. So they couldn't go. So God said, oh, now wait a minute. That Red Sea's not going to keep you away. So God opened up the Red Sea. And they did what? They walked on through. Even that Red Sea, which, by the way, represents death today. It represents sin today. Today, that Red Sea represents sin and death because that is what's keeping people from promised land all the time is death. It's sin. People can't get to the promised land because of sin and death. And God said, no, 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 no. You're not going to be a slavery to sin and death anymore. We're going to open it up and you're going to walk right through, through the miracle of me. And that's exactly what God did. He opened up that Red Sea and they walked on through. And the people that wanted to keep them enslaved, when they tried to come back on through, and finally the Lord God said, okay, I'm going to take away my, my uh, clouds. I'm going to take away my fire. Go on, go on right through. They went right through and the sea came down and boom, took out the people that wanted to take out the children. Because God is not going to keep his children from the promised land. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. It won't happen. And so, and so his children got through that sea of death, that sea of slavery, of sin. So that is the Red Sea, the Red Sea that we're going to talk about today. God opened it up in Exodus chapter 13. He opened it up. They got through it. He promised them the freedom from that slavery. He got them out of there. And they made their way to the promised land. We won't go into all the, the years and years and years of walking. We won't go through all that. We won't go through that right now. But that was in Egypt. Now on to the promised land. We'll skip through, we'll skip through, we'll skip through. But when I got to go to Israel, there were three bodies of water, which we're going to speak about. The first body of water, which we'll speak of, is the Dead Sea. We'll speak of the Dead Sea. The second being the River Jordan. The third being the Sea of Galilee, and we'll speak of them. The first one being the Dead Sea. Now, here's the thing about the Dead Sea. It's very interesting. I do have a picture of it. And the, the, the Dead Sea is interesting because no animal can live in it. No animal can live in the Dead Sea. There's so much salt. I mean, there's salt everywhere. Now, I don't know if you like salt. I do, to a point. I don't mind salty chips. I don't mind salt in my French fries. I don't mind salt on certain things. But let me tell you something. This is not that kind of salt. This is not the kind of salt that you're going to have on your table. It's not table salt. 
And, and, and I'm gonna tell you something else. I don't like uh, sea salt. Whenever you're out there swimming and you get, get too much in your mouth, you ever had that? Oh boy, I don't taste too grand. Well, let me just tell you about this. This is the saltiest water you've ever seen in your life. In fact, the Dead Sea, no animals can live in it. Oh, some may argue with you. Oh, they may say some algae can live there, some microorganisms. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not a microorganism. I don't know if you can't tell from looking, and I'm also not algae. But no regular animal, no fish can live there. No animal can live in that water because it kills it. That's why it's known as the Dead Sea. And it kills it. It's the deepest lake in the world, 427 meters below the sea level. It is that low. But you can't live in that Dead Sea. And you can't sink in it because there's too much salt. You can't sink in that sea. There are people who are floating on top. I wasn't one of them. I don't need uh, salt to float, to be truthful with you, if you can't tell from looking. The fact of the matter is, is that sea salt would keep people floating. They weren't even swimming. They were just floating on top. That's because there was that much salt. In fact, I got that picture here. There's a whole bunch of, a bunches of salt just sitting on top. That's what it was like there. Salt everywhere. That was what it was like at the Dead Sea. Salt everywhere. I don't want that much salt. But let me tell you something that happened to me at the Dead Sea. We went there to the Dead Sea and there was mud. I wasn't feeling too grand. There was mud going down the hill. And I didn't realize it had been raining. And as I go to step out to the mud, I suddenly started sliding. Started sliding like a ski. And I was scared to death because I was heading towards the sea with salt everywhere. Bunch of salt and everything. And I couldn't stop it, you know, I, I tried. Now I'm a big fella, but I was trying to stop it, you know, and I couldn't quite, and I looked like I was in some kind of a cartoon, it looked like a John Candy movie. I, anyway, I just barely stopped right before I got in that salty water. And I remember my dad and my Aunt LaDonna and them were looking at me and they said, Philip, Philip. And my dad, of course, only, nobody can talk like him. Uh, and, but they, he's like, stop, son, you don't want to do that. I'm like, I'm not doing this on purpose, you know? And so I don't know what on earth, but it was terrifying. It was terrifying. Too many people, too many people of Christians, they go into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is what people float in in their Christian life. They don't have to go in that water, but they do. They float on it. They float on the Dead Sea. Instead of living a good Christian life, they're floating on the Dead Sea. Instead of swimming in good fresh water that they could be, they don't. That's not the way it ought to be. I've known way too many Christians, and by the way, I've done it myself at times. I find myself floating on the Dead Sea where your life of Christ can't live thoroughly. Nothing could live in that. Just sin. The algae of sin, if you want to call it that. You can't live that way. You won't live that way. Not the way you ought to, at least. I'm not saying about losing salvation. I'm talking about living right. You can float, but you can't swim. You can float, but you can't live right. You just can't. That's what the Dead Sea does. But the Dead Sea connects to something else. This is what I'm talking about, that you may be saved, but you're not living. It connects to the River Jordan. That's what it connects to. The River Jordan is a very important place to me to all of us Christians. The River Jordan is the place in which Jesus Christ was baptized. And we know about it, every single one of us. We know about the River Jordan because the River Jordan is where Jesus Christ came. 
Before I go on, let me just tell you this about the Dead Sea. Romans 7.25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I serve the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. And I say this because we do suffer at times. We do fall back. We fall back into that salty water at times. But we don't have to. But remember, remember, we first, before we do anything, we need to go to that River Jordan. River Jordan, what did Jesus do there? Jesus was baptized by his cousin John. He was baptized in the River Jordan. I was blessed because not only was I baptized there, I got pictures of it. You might recognize me, you might not. I actually am the one that has a little bit of hair in that picture. Oh, it's 20 years ago. 20 years ago today. 20 years ago today that I was baptized in that Jordan River. And in fact, and in fact, I actually have some water right here with me, which I keep with me, of that, from that river from 20 years ago today. And if you like some, I'll give you some. I mean, I'm not selling it. <laughs> but you can have some with you when you leave. But that being said, I, I, I let people do it from time to time. That being said, it's not magical, but it's nice to know that you have touched water that Jesus Christ walked in. Talking about that, that river, that very river. The important thing is of this, that Jesus was baptized by his cousin. I was blessed to preach there. I was blessed to be baptized in there. My father baptized me. It was a wonderful, wonderful day, a wonderful moment. Jesus said this, talking to the woman. He was speaking to this at this time. This wasn't in that river, but he said this. He said, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I shall give him will become in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. He said this also. He said on the last day of, great, of the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. And I say this to you. There's nothing magical about the water that's in that river. What is wonderful, what is powerful, is Jesus who is the living water. He was baptized to show us that we can be saved. Baptism is not what saves us. Baptism is not what saves you. You don't get baptized and suddenly I'm brand new. No, 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 no. You are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. He is the living water. Once you are saved, you're brand new. But we mentioned this to show you that Christ himself wants to show you that he is the living water and he lives within you if you are saved. He is the water that has washed away your sins. It's his blood that he died and saved you with. He is the symbol today. That Dead Sea connects to the River Jordan, and that is connected to the Sea of Galilee. And once you are saved, once you are saved and washed, baptized, washed away all your sins, then we get to live. We get to be living water like the Sea of Galilee itself. You ever seen the Sea of Galilee or anything from it? You know what's interesting about the Sea of Galilee? A lot of times people think of the Sea of Galilee, and they think of it as a sea, salt water. It's not. It's not salt water at all. Isn't that interesting? A lot of times people think of it that way. They think, of, well, the sea of water. Uh, it, it's like sea water. It's like salt. It's, like, it's not. The Sea of Galilee is actually a living, it's like a lake. It's like a lake. In fact, it's also known as Lake Tiberias. It's known as Lake uh, Kinneret. I might be pronouncing that wrong. I apologize if I am. But it is actually a lake. It is a freshwater lake. And I've got to tell you something. They got all sorts of good fish. Now, some people don't like fish. 
Some people do. If you don't like fish, I apologize, but I'm going to tell you something. I decided while I was there to eat whatever they gave me, and I decided to eat it well. But I'll tell you this. I wasn't expecting some of the stuff they brought me for breakfast. I wasn't expecting fresh fish for breakfast, and I certainly wasn't expecting uncooked. Now, it might have steamed, but I'm sorry. When it's that pink, it just don't seem like it's all that cooked. Now, maybe it's because I was used to Captain D's. But, but let me tell you this, I ate it anyway. And it was good. And they have so much fish. And I mean to tell you, that is the most blessed place. When you're in the land of Israel, when you're over there in Jordan, let me tell you, they are blessed. Man, God blessed that land like you wouldn't believe. It's like a dream come true if you saw the fruit they had there. Oh, Aunt B. And let me tell you something else. The fish they have there, huge. God blessed that land. It is truly blessed. No wonder people are always trying to fight over it. But it was God who made it, and he made it for his children. And when you get over there to Galilee, you can see wonderful things. The Sea of Galilee is what God made. And it's from that place, that sea right there, Galilee, that God called his disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and also Philip around, around that area too. But from that area, he called them, and he, what did he say to them, to those fishermen? He said, I will make you what? Fishers of men, if you follow me. He says the same thing to you today. The same thing he says to you today. I know this is strange because we're talking about the different bodies of water, but here's the truth. If you have been saved and washed away in the Jordan River, today I say to you at the Sea of Galilee, God wants to make you fishers of men. But we're not going to do that sitting on land. We're not going to do that not going towards the body of water. We have to go around the Sea of Galilee and bring the people back in. We have to do that. But there were many, many sermons, many sermons, many miracles, many things at the Sea of Galilee. I was told you earlier I was blessed to get to see these places where this stuff happened. But I'm going to read to you right now in Mark chapter 4. Turn with me if you will. Mark chapter 4. Verses 35 through 41. And it says this, that same day, keep in mind, so many things happened to Sea of Galilee, there's no way we could talk about it all, but we'll talk about a few things. Sea of Galilee is much like your Christian life. We're not to be like we others are on the Dead Sea. If you find yourself at the Dead Sea, you're in the wrong place. We're to be at the Sea of Galilee. The same day, when the evening came, he said to them, let us go crossed to the other side. When they had sent the crowd away, they took him in the boat just as he was. There were also other little boats with him. A great wind storm arose and the waves splashed into the boat so that it was now filling the boat. He was in the stern asleep on the pillow. They woke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They feared greatly and said to one another, What kind of man is he that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
When we are at the Sea of Galilee, living a life of Christ, a life of a Christian, we are to go around and try to bring people to the Lord Jesus, living the life, but we are to live by faith, bringing people in. We cannot be that of fear. We cannot be that of doubt, and yet we do sometimes. We saw even, even other great miracles that happened at the Sea of Galilee. This is where Jesus Christ walked on water, the Sea of Galilee. This is where Peter had faith and followed him. And yet we are just like Peter, walking on water, and yet there are times that we doubt. There are times that our feet start to go asunder. They start to go under because we're human. We do have fear. There are times that we and our human, a lot of times we say, but wait a minute, why did Peter have doubt? Doubt, doubt, doubt. Hey, listen, you're just like him. Your feet are going under the water, but we don't have to do that. We can remember to follow Christ, not our feet, his feet. He's walking on the water. He's the one that's making us walk on water. We're going to live by faith following Christ, who is at the Sea of Galilee leading us. That is the one that we need to follow right now. Not our own feet, but his feet to lead us. And later after the resurrection, we know what else happened at the Sea of Galilee. They ate many, many fish at the shore. So many miracles happen on that sea. And by the way, just as many miracles can happen in your life when we follow him and have great faith. It takes great faith to follow Jesus Christ. As we've seen so many do in the promised land. John chapter 5, which we're not going to go to, but it talks about the pool of Bethesda. And many went there because of faith and hope that they had of angels healing them. And one of them could not because of his health. He could not make it to that pool. And there had been talks of angels had been there and they stir up that water and they wanted to go and be healed. And Jesus came to one of them and spoke to him. And he, he mentioned about the angels coming and the faith that he had, the great faith he had. He had so much faith about what the angels could do, but he could not make it. And so what did he do? Jesus said unto him, he said, rise up and walk. Why? Because the water was so powerful? No. Because God, Christ, saw the great faith the young man had. We don't live by the power that we have. We live by the faith that we know and have through the grace of Jesus Christ. When we live the Sea of Galilee, we live by faith. The power is not in us, our power is in him, but we have to have the great faith in him. I'm not saved by me, I'm saved by he. I have great faith in him. It is a fool who thinks otherwise. Jesus is, is the living water. And that living water lives in me today. He's the living water, he is the word, he is my everything. I know he is for you too. He is. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 26, husbands, and by the way, this is an analogy here, but it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. But this is the part that I really want to focus on. It says this, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. We need to be washed by the word every day. Continue to go back to be washed away. Washed away from the filth of this world. And be washed. Wash away all that nonsense that we see. We do. We see nonsense all the time. We see it. I've been guilty of it before. Focusing too much on the nonsense of this world. 
and then you start thinking like it, but we need to be washed. I'm not going to ask for a calling of hands. <laughs> that would not be appropriate, but I'll tell you this. If you've ever gone a day or two or three or five, I don't want to know about it, but without bathing, a stink comes upon you. It does. Same thing happens if you don't get washed by the Word and the blood and the love of Christ. You may say, well, God understands. Yeah, but you smell. You do. Because the dead skin and too many people are floating in the Dead Sea. They're putting all that on them. And they're saying, no, God understands. He loves me. He loves you. It doesn't mean you don't stink. Be washed. Be washed. Get all that off you. There's a reason why we buy soap. There's a reason. Get in the fresh water. Make sure that you're taken care of. The Red Sea is the outside of the promised land of salvation. Those who are not the children of God, they're not. Those people of Egypt, they weren't the children of God. They're dead by the slavery of sin and death. And God freed his children from that slavery. He freed them from it. You used to live in the slavery of sin and death yourself. You were dead. And God said, no, I'm going to free you from that. I'm going to free you if you choose to be freed. You do realize that the Israelites did not have to leave Israel, I mean Egypt. They could have stayed there. Had they chose to, I don't know why they would, but they could have if they chose to. But they left. They followed God. He says, rise up and follow me. And they did. They did. Now we know there were some who were doubting. Maybe we should go back. Maybe we should go back. You missed this. I missed the stink of the Nile. Well, there's some people who do that right now. They do that right now. The children of God may miss the stink of the Nile. And then they go float on the Dead Sea. And that's exactly what happens on the Dead Sea. Many who are floating in the sin of the flesh. They may be saved by Christ, but they're dead in spiritual growth. And floating about. They're floating about. And the algae of sin, if you will. They don't have to be, but they do. They choose to. Sometimes you may find yourself doing that, but we don't need to do that. We don't want to continue to do that. We want to grow. We want to grow in the Lord. The River Jordan is a symbol of the rebirth. We need to rise up and walk in the newness of life. I don't know about you, but I've done that. We need to continue to go on in the Sea of Galilee, become fishers of men walking in faith, fresh living water as Jesus lives in us. We need to continue every single day to allow that fresh water of Christ living in us, not to continue to go back, but to move forward. That's what we need to do every single day, bathed in his word, every single day, be cleaned by the freshness of his word, every single day, not to allow that filth bind up on us. Jesus is the living water and salvation is the true eternal promised land. I'll say it again. Jesus is the living water and salvation is the true eternal promised land. So many people think of promised land of only being Israel. In reality, the promised land is salvation. That's the true promised land. Christ promises a place, a place that we can go. And his salvation, we're going to be able to be, we're in the promised land now. It's going to be even greater 
someday when we're in the promised land of salvation through heaven. Isaiah 12, 3. Therefore with joy you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. I'll say it again. Isaiah 12, 3. Therefore with joy you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. John 3, 5. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Holy water promised land. If you have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you allow the holy water that is Jesus living within you, then you're going to go to the promised land, the true promised land. It's not here on earth. Someday there will be a new earth, and you, you've got the promise. He doesn't take it away. Continue to follow him. But you've got that promised land. Revelation 22, 17 says this right before we end here today. The spirit and the bride say, come, let him who hears say, come. Let him who is thirsty come. Let him who desires take the water of life freely. As we close here today, if there's been anyone out there, anyone here, who questions their salvation, or has any problems, know that God wants to take care of it. God wants to save you. Maybe you question where you're going to go when you leave this world. You don't need to. You don't need to. Maybe you're one who's already asked Jesus to save you. Or maybe you prayed a prayer, but you're not exactly sure what that even means. Well, you don't have to question it anymore. You can go to heaven when you die, because all of us are going to. The fact of the matter is, is you don't have to be afraid anymore. All you have to do is pray the prayer of salvation, asking Jesus to save you from your sins, which we all have, and pray it with a full heart, knowing that Christ loves you. And he does. He did die for you. But once you are saved, you don't have to continue to go back to the Dead Sea and float in your sins and live that kind of a life. You will mess up. People do that. This is not an excuse. This is a fact. Christ wants to help you. We don't need to go back to the Dead Sea, but remember the Dead Sea is connected to the uh, Jordan River, River Jordan, which is connected to the Sea of Galilee. We can go to that lake. We can go to the Sea of Galilee and live a good, wonderful, fresh lake water life, living for the Lord, bringing people to that life by the way that we live. We can do that today. Let's bow, our our bow in prayer and pray unto the Lord that he will help us, lead us, and guide us. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray right now that you be with us, that you will help us. If there be anyone here today who doesn't know you, if there be anyone who's watching that doesn't know you, I pray, Lord God, today that you will show them that the Holy Spirit will show them. Lord God, I pray that they will feel it down deep in their heart. And I pray right now, Lord God, that they will say this prayer. Lord God, I know that I have sinned. I know, Lord God, that I deserve to go to hell. I know that, Lord. But I pray that you will save me. I know, Lord God, it's not the words that I say with my mouth, but what I say in my heart. Lord, I'm saying this with everything that's within me. Please save me. Help me every day to follow you and not myself. Lord, I pray that you will continue to lead me and guide me. I pray this with all of my heart. 
In Jesus' name. Lord, I also pray right now for anyone else who's having issues right now in their lives. If they are physically ill, if they are uh, feeling tempted to give in to sin, if there are uh, financial problems, if there are problems within their lives and they don't know which way to, to go, I pray that you will show them. You've given them promises, Lord God, and I know that you're going to give it to them, Lord God, but your main promise is salvation and guidance. And I pray this in your holy name. 